Got a ball. Y'all, Mulligan. All right, here we go. Here we go. Okay. So continue to what you were saying. So prior to us taking the break from the Zoom, because we only have 40 minutes, um, I had tabled a question about the RFAs for the Devils. We had talked about the Islanders not having time with Barzell. Um, but the, the same thing could be said about the Devils with their RFAs in Blackwood and Brad. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I can't remember. I'd have to go look it up. But I thought, you know, when things kind of quieted down after free agency in October, Fitz had said there isn't going to be an issue signing either of those guys. So I, I would be surprised if they're not signed within the next week before camp starts. Um, I mean, they're going to get signed at some point. It's just it's dragging out longer because there was really like just no activity in the NHL for like two months until, you know, everything got finalized this last week. So, I mean, they're, they're going to get signed. I don't, I don't yeah. think it's really going to be an issue. Here. Same with Barzell. He'll get signed too. I got a question for all of you. Okay, so the Devils kind of like – Corey Crawford kind of a big move. Ryan Murray not – Really, like, hopefully he can stay healthy. Andreas Janssen, like, it's a – not a major move, but it's, like, it's like an upgrade move. Like, it just – it's upgrading the roster depth-wise. Um, how many more years do you think before we finally see Fitzy make a big splash? Like, bring in, like, a big name. Or I think- you- I guess it couldn't, doesn't necessarily have to be a big name. It's just like has to be like somebody that's consistently scoring 20, 30 goals or like a consistent, steady defenseman, something like that. Like PK, we hope bounces back, but like a young, like are we going to, are we, is he hoping to just continue to bring up like 19 and 20 year olds up through the system onto the team every year and stay that youthful? Or is he going to hope to bring in like a big scorer? Something like that. That's my question. I've kind of wondered that. Two and one-thirds seasons, technically. It's two supposed to be three. Two and a half. 2.32. It's basically, if you're taking this yeah. 50 game season, that's 0.32. Yeah, but and then you have two-plus seasons. Technically, it's supposed to be three seasons. So we should be making that bold move. Okay, so we'll say two years. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's on Jack and Jack Hughes and Nico Hischer's timeline. It's like it, they got to show like that they're ready. He's, I mean, Fitz has said it himself. Like they got to show, okay, that but they're ready to take that next step and be competitive. So like, I don't know, is that do they show that this year? And all of a sudden, Fitz is like, all right, this summer we're gonna go, you know, make a big move for like a big score or a big defenseman, or does he want to wait to see them in like a full season? So would it be like summer of twenty twenty two? You know. It depends on Nico and Jack. I mean, we saw Nico take the next step last year. Uh, or last year, he start. He got bigger. He was there. He was more physical around the puck. You know, he started. We started seeing the player that he was. Uh, that's why we drafted him. And he's taking the next step. And it takes time. I mean, look, we've seen all the pictures of Jack Hughes. Um, you know, looks great shape. Guy hasn't been on the ice. It's been close to ten months. I, he should be fine. He should be taking the next level step. We'll see. He's going to have an advantage this year that he's going to be starting where he should have been starting last year. And hopefully that 
allows him to take the next level. He'll also be playing with players that, you know, are more skillful and he won't get beat getting beat up all the time either. Yeah, like when they when they when Shiro signed like Simmons and they decided to stick Simmons on the straight wing, it was like, okay, like Simmons is like six steps behind Jack Hughes when he's happening <laughs> up the ice. I don't really know though, in terms of uh, the Devils getting a um, high-profile player. I don't really know if Fitzgerald um, is is really putting a timeline on that. He seems to be since he since he succeeded Ray Shiro. In terms of trades, he seems to be very opportunistic. So I think if the opportunity presents itself and the deal makes sense, um, he won't have you know he won't hesitate to pull the trigger. Um, you know that that you know that 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 type of player you mentioned, Jake. I you know it could very well happen in the coming weeks. You know if there's a uh, team that you know if there's a cap strap team that's that desperate enough and you know they're in the right situation with the Devils, they could probably pull off a trade that none of us don't, you know none of us ever saw coming. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I, as you know, I know Alex, a bunch of us have talked about. I mean, right now, I mean, you got to give him at least an A, A minus for what he's done so far. I mean, the haul that he got for Blake Coleman at the trade deadline, I mean, that was really good. And no one really expected you were going to get that for Blake Coleman. Now, granted, he was playing some of the best hockey of his career. And that's when you trade an asset like that. But no one expected to get a first-round pick and Nolan Foot. No. Like, I know when I seen that, I was like, whoa. I was like, because I remember, I think I was, yeah, I was, because at the time I was working two jobs instead of one. And I was, I was just getting ready to leave, like, work. And my, my old man texts me. And he's like, Coleman traded? Question mark. He's like, oh, no, he said Coleman scratched? Question mark. And I'm like, yeah, apparently. And I'm like not sure why i'm like there was talk that he was being shot but like i didn't think they were going to move him because you know we all thought he was going to be part of this team moving forward right with what they were building and then all of a sudden he texted me and he's like first round pick but nolan foot he's like good deal and i'm like good deal i'm like that's a great deal but there's yeah, still exactly <laughs> it's the same thing like when you look back at like the henrique getting traded right there's still fans that are bitter that Blake Coleman got traded. Oh, we should never trade a Blake Coleman. Well, you know what? No offense to Blake Coleman, but I'm trading you if I'm getting a first and no one for no like it's been a, a, a really good same effect in return. Any green, like the fact that Fitzgerald got a second round pick for like basically a washed up Andy Green, like how do you say no to that? <laughs> for me, that was a heist. Well, yeah. I mean, look. Even what he got for Vatnin. I mean, that, that was good. Yeah. Yeah, and so, that third round pick turned into Nico Dawes. So, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, look. There's a trade for D- Daigle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. But... No, I was saying that. So, I mean, like, even though he hasn't had the blockbuster name hasn't been there, the trades that he's done, like Mike has said, he's been opportunistic and he's traded guys at the right time to get value in return and it's not to say that Blake Coleman not come back I mean they could sign him when his contract's back and he come back I doubt it but you you never know I mean if they're really high on him they could bring him back and you know put him in that role 
but I think they're moving, you know, they're moving on and they want to build, you know, get younger as Fitz said so, so much. They want to get younger. I mean, defense, I mean, look, the hope is Ryan Murray stays healthy. Um, to me, ever since bringing Stu Bannon, you got to find somebody that's going to stay at home and play with him. Like that's the big key for them going into the season. They got to find somebody that can just be a stay at home defenseman and just be like, yo, PK, you can just do your thing. Yeah. PK, the thing, the thing I noticed, like if we're going to go like on PK and all that stuff is that like, did anybody else notice that once Hines was fired, that they finally started putting PK Subban on his proper side on the power play? Yes. Him on the power yeah. play? You, you know what? When they played around with PK Subban on his offside, that just really screws up his cannon of a shot and his ability to get accustomed to a different side that he doesn't usually play. So yeah. the perspective is completely off for him. But when I saw him play both against the Islanders home and the Highlanders away, I noticed that when he plays on his strong side and you give him time and you give him space, you give him traffic, he has one hell of a freaking shot, baby. Yeah. It's a freaking howitzer. Yeah. And you know what, though? They need to, like, he he scored that howitzer. He took that slap shot and he scored against the Islanders. But, like, keep him on that side. But, like, I know you got to you gotta play around the perimeter and stuff. Like, you're running an umbrella-style power player, you know, whatever you're doing. But maybe move him down a bit from the blue line, like just above the hash marks, and just set him up and let him rip. Keep Paul Mary on the opposite side of him, because then if you're setting up Subban, people are covering Subban. Paul Mary's open over there near the hash marks, and we've all seen Kyle Paul Mary is basically money from that spot above the hash marks on the left side. Yeah, let me put it this way: whether it's drafting prospects scouting them or looking at uh, amateur to pro talent you want your professional players like whether it's pk suban or palmieri to be a little bit closer to that golden road that that high mid danger area that's where a lot of the bulk of the scoring is going to be created because you see the rip and the velocity coming off let's say the, the slapper or the wrister of let's say a gusev a Gusev in the mid danger comes off pretty quickly. So you want to at least make one of those guys a decoy. If they were to do a pass and shoot and they effectively do it right, you want to give it to PK and PK can just bomb it right in where the defense gets confused and they allow that space to be utilized to, to complete those types of shots on net. That's where mango comes in. Yeah. But need I say less, like, you know, I like the way Lindy Ruff is starting to, like, assemble the team a little bit. But I think there's going to be a lot more shots on net than last year because, you know, Hines just doesn't, you know, he was played back, played too safe. I don't like that. I don't like the conservative style hockey. That doesn't win games these days. You got to play aggressively, but you got to be smart how you pass the puck. You can't just be hold, hold, hold. They're going to come after you. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, you know, it's all the systems, you know, it's different coaches, different styles. I mean, you know, I remember, you know, when Lamarello, oh, not Lamarello, when Lamar came in, 
guys are talking about and fans are talking about, uh, you know, guys are just standing around. What's this kind of system? Like, you know, what's all this stuff? Yet, you know, it wins games as everybody can see. Everybody's playing that trap style game. So, but I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what else the Devils do. I mean, like we said, there's not really much more they're going to look on a free agent market. Um, there could be a trade somewhere. I mean, it's interesting because the trade deadline's what April twelfth. Yeah, think. something like that. Yeah, something like that. So I mean, it's pretty much most of the season's going to be over already, and you know, our got teams that are normally going to be like our bottom few are going to just sell off everything. They're just going to be like, all right, you know what? You know, maybe we'll walk. And it's going to be interesting because most of the trades you might actually see within um was that 12th yeah okay so i see the 12th all right um are there trades going to be happening between teams in canada united states if the border still remain closed and there's quarantine issues so i mean it's really interesting this year this trade deadline yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens you know on april 12th i mean i i mean as far as the devils go i would I don't know. I mean, maybe the goaltending gets them in a position where they're trying to look to buy, but I still wouldn't bet on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just it's, I guess going back to what maybe the Devils could do now, it's like I would definitely look at the trade market. And we talked about Jonathan March so a little bit uh, before. And he's definitely one player, I think, who makes a lot of sense for the Devils if they're trying to look to add a score. Um, I saw David Pagnotta last night said of the fourth period that you know, should, he's keeping an eye on Kyle Palmieri trade talks. So that's something to watch before I'm, the season begins too. I don't want to do a shameless plug on somebody else's show, but I'm going to do it. Um, Dave Pagnotta is going to be on my show tomorrow at 2 p.m. So oh, I'll be nice. asking him about the Devils and Kyle Palmieri. So Yeah, definitely. So I will get us uh, get us some inside information. I will try to get you as much inside information as I can. Very nice. Now, now that you mentioned just word, now that you mentioned that, Jim. Yes. Um, if you can get him on your show, maybe you could uh, maybe work some <laughs> magic and get him on our show here. Well, see, what happens is you gotta listen to the hot stove on Sirius XM, become friends with those guys, interact. And they return favors. So I've been in contact with him. He's a nice guy. I, you know, and he comes out with good information. And I remember making a call last year during a show where I haven't forget where they were doing it, but there was like, you know, I'm still waiting for, you know, a thank you from a devil's fan or I'm, I'm sorry from a devil's fan about the Taylor hall stuff that I put out in the summer. So I called in and I said, Dave, I'm sorry. I ever doubted you. So you got it. So he's a good dude. So I, I, I'm interested to see what Kyle Palmieri is long-term. I feel like he wants to stay. He says all the right things and he's a Jersey guy and he fits this team so well. And I've had this debate so much with people. I just feel like he's a guy that you need to keep around. Yeah. The thing is, I, I don't know. I don't see them re-signing both Nikita Gusev and Kyle Palmer. I think it's going to be one or the other. I'd be surprised if they didn't sign, didn't resign either. Um, and I, I tend to think that Gusev is just a better, better fit long term. He's not gonna. I don't think his game will age as poorly as Palmieri's might, because Palmieri plays a much more physical game than Gusev, and Gusev doesn't really rely on speed either. He's just 
his hockey IQ is off the charts and he's just a fantastic playmaker. Um, I, I definitely see why, like, keeping Palmieri makes sense. But, like, if let's just say hypothetically that they ended up going out to in the trade market now and getting like Jonathan March or so, then it becomes a lot easier to trade Palmieri and you know keep Gusev. So, well, um, they would sign Gusev too. I mean, that's something, yeah. I think they will. I, I'm just guessing here. I feel like the cap space for it. Yeah, they definitely have. They have honestly, they have the cap space to keep both. But yeah, I just don't really see them re-signing both. And I think Gusev maybe is the better fit long term, just as far as like, especially if he like blows up this year and yeah, kind of like tears does. it up. Yeah, I hope he does. I have him as a breakout player this year. I mean, he had a good season last year. But I think he can break out even more this year. Yeah, especially if he's playing like on the top line with you know Jesper Bratt and Nico Heischer, he could really just kind of and they still it up like he did in the KHL. And in he, a couple of years, he could have thirty goals and thirty assists, that type of thing. Because he, if he can get up his foot speed a little bit better and keep the pace with, you know, let's say Jack Hughes and maybe Yanni Kuokinen or whoever's on those line or Andreas Janssen. You know, there there's potential for a big breakout for Gusev on the left flank. Yeah, I mean, if they they could end, I mean, his natural position was the left winger in the KHL, so and they could always move him back there, if, depending on if they add someone else this uh, off season. But yeah, I just I don't. I mean, I know Cobb Palmer is like Jersey boy, and you know all that, but you. Know, it's just, I, I can't see both of them re-signing. So unless the Devils, if they, I was gonna say if the Devils show that you know they're closer to being playoff contenders than not this season, then they could re-sign you know both of them in the summer. But I would think one of them is going at the trade deadline if they're not contenders. So that's probably not a possibility. If, no, if the right deal, uh, I'm sorry, Jim. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, if the right deal, if the right deal comes along for, you know, if the right deal comes along for Cal Palmieri, you know, like you obviously make the trade, but uh, I think there's a couple of reasons why it's kind of, why it's, why it's kind of important, why they should keep him around. Um, you know, Alex touched on this. Number one, uh, you know, Palmieri plays that physical game. Um, last couple of years, I'm pretty sure he, he either led the entire team in hits or a little forwards in hits. I think like three out of the last four years or two out of the last three years or something like that. Uh, number two, He's a natural. He's a natural right wing, and that's something that this, you know, like depth wise on the right side, this team really, you know, this team really sorely lacks natural right wing depth. So I think it's important for that. And number three, these next couple of years are going to be pivotal for the development of Hughes and Nico. And I think especially for a rebuilding team, when you are pretty much relying on these two to become your new long term foundation, I really think it's important to have uh, to retain veterans that could maintain key roles for the next couple of years that have some kind of like once long standing with the, uh, with the team. Yeah. I see the argument for that too, but, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like this, the thing, this too, you know, everyone's just signing for cheaper deals right now because of, you know, revenue loss from COVID-19 and stuff like that. So maybe you could get Palmieri signed to a long-term deal, but for a little less than you expected, you, you know, you would have maybe in like a normal situation. So maybe that's another reason where they get him signed. You could probably argue that for Gusev too. And yeah, you know, like, I agree with you too, that I think these next couple of years are essential for the development of uh, Paul Mary and, or for Hughes and uh, Nico. So, you know, uh, I agree with you there. I think that that'd be a good reason to keep them. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I'm like, 
Taylor Hall, you could tell like Palmieri, he likes be he likes playing here. He wants to be here. You know, like that. Just looking back, Taylor Hall really didn't seem to give off you know much of that vibe after like the eighteen nineteen season. Well, that's just me. Hear, but no, but you could hear it in his interviews because I had a piece up last year about it's an imperception and like he had an interview in like Edmonton or Vancouver and he was talking about you know it sounded like he'd already checked out and you know he was already he was looking backwards on like what they didn't do and what they still didn't do and so it seemed like his bags were already packing and one foot out the door Palmieri it seems different now to Alex's point does it seem it does it all depend on who's named captain too because you know it feels like there's two guys that could be the next captain of this team one's Palmieri one's Heesher and on depends on who you go with there and also going I was going to say does Palmieri's trade value go up if he continues to do well but it, it also helps if like you were saying if Gustav can show that he can be consistent goal scorer to, to make up what Palmieri is doing because like Fitz said it's hard to find a consistent 25 goal scorer in this league consistently and that's why I didn't get rid of him at the deadline I think like you guys were saying earlier with cap space too I just want to touch on that quickly like the Devils have a crap ton of cap space literally for like however long until they go on like a spending spree. But they also probably are thinking to themselves, okay, well, we have Nico signed. We also got to keep some money saved here just in case Jack Hughes hits like a massive breakout here over the next couple of years, which he's gonna. He's gonna. It's just a matter of when. And they're gonna have to pay him too, right? So they have to have to, mm-hmm. might have to decide, like Alex said. They're going to have to probably – they can probably afford to keep both, but they're more likely going to have to decide if they which one of the two they want to keep. And it's going to all depend. Like, Gusev, yeah, but are they going to want to sit and say, okay, well, do we really want to – we already took Taylor Hall away from Nico Heischer. Do we want to take Kyle Palmieri away from him? And then he basically is left trying to get chemistry again with somebody else, or do they want to oh. keep him with Nico – where he's already built that chemistry with them basically since like 2017 and that, you know, they click together. Well, that's the thing. I believe that if you want to get Nico, someone to play with on his left side, at least test the grounds with, let's say a Quokinen or Bokvist or maybe a brat and see who works on his left side and see who works, you know, other than Paul Mary on the right side. You know, that's what's good about this camp is that, you know, what if Sharon Govich isn't just a second line, third line guy, you know, as a center slash winger? What if he can click and play first line wing? I mean, he was tearing it up in the KHL and I know the KHL is a different animal, but you had a guy that was performing at a really high rate. So at least give him a chance to work his way up the ladder. So at least give one of those three guys a chance to play with Nico and Jack and see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just got to figure out things. And that's a name that, you know, we forgot about this. We're throwing everybody else's name around, but you know, Boquist, we can't, we can't forget about what he did last year in the AHL after he went down. And I mean, talk about make or break years, a couple guys I'll put on make or break years, Miles Wood, Jesper Bratt. I mean, a couple guys right there. 
that you got to figure out. I know Brad's an RFA, but I mean, he may have make a two-year bridge deal. So, I mean, it, it's it's time to prove it. I mean, what, you know, Miles Wood got that deal. You know, either you're going to raise your trade value or we're going to, you know, you're going to get buried someplace. Okay. Here's, here's a quick question. Okay. So we're at like, we're going on to 29 minutes. So we got like 11 minutes, but okay. here's a quick question I want to ask. How many chances can Damon Severson get with this team? All right. So hang on. Like I, I know I where, mean, I where you're going to go with this, but like, he's great, like offensively and whatnot, but like defensively, like, holy, that's like, sometimes I'm like, Oh my God. Like, oh, Severson's in the defensive zone here late in the game. Okay. Well, we're probably screwed. Yeah. Let me just put it this way. I would rather let Riley Walsh take the reins from him, you know, in the, in the nearer, longer term. In the longer term. Yeah. So let me just put it this way. Let Walshy get his time in bingo and just, you know, let him settle in there. Let just let Severson probably get traded. You know, I mean, he'd probably go to the Leafs. They'll, they'll probably ask for him. I mean, I don't see, I don't know. They, they, I mean, this, I don't know. Maybe this is a hot take. I, don't know, I mean, Severson, I think is kind of, well, maybe not with the addition of Ryan Murray, but uh, he's at least the second best defenseman on this team. Like, even defensively, I thought he was their best defenseman last year, which is maybe not saying much because the roster wasn't that great last year. But I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think Severson's like in the conversation where he's like, is this a make or break year, or like how many more chances does he get with the team? Like, I think it's pretty clear that like he's one of their top two guys, and you know, I'd be surprised if he wasn't on the top pair with Ryan Murray to start the season. So, um. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It's kind of uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really think Severson's in that category of like, well, how many more chances does he get, or is this a make or break season for him? I mean, it's pretty clear what his position is with the team. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, there's no, there's no doubt he's up. He's definitely an established defenseman on this team. Um, <clears throat> if you look at, you know, if you look at his numbers too, like especially like in the goal scoring category, I think he's got like. 9, 11, and 8 goals in the last three years. And, like, my biggest thing with Severson was he has to figure out whether or not he wants to become, like, a, you know, 35, 45-point defenseman or, like, a 25, 35, middle-of-the-road kind of, you know, kind of trying to establish a balanced two-way game, two game type of defenseman. I just feel like from season to season, he kind of goes back – he kind of goes back and forth with just, you know, like that type of uh, – that type of um, player profile. But like, you know, the thing with Severson, he's only 25, 26 years old. Um, a lot of defensemen, because, you know, like defensemen, they, they develop, it, it takes them a lot longer to mature come to fruition than forwards do. Um, most defensemen, they usually like, you know, finally come to fruition when they're in their mid to late 20s, you know, 25, 26, sometimes 27, 28, you know, Brian Campbell, when he, you know, when he was playing as a good he's a good example. So, you know, I definitely don't doubt that Severson isn't an established um, player on this team. Um, I think to my knowledge, he's there. I think to, to my knowledge, he's um, the most veteran. Uh, he's yeah. the most veteran defenseman on this blue line right now. I think he's been with the team longest out of any of their defensemen. Um, this year though, just like, you know, I would like to have some kind of clarity with Severson as to what type of game, he, what type of game he's going to play, if that makes any sense. No, I agree with that. I mean, look, and it all depends on where he's positioned, too. I mean, you know, they were moving him all over the place. I mean, at times I think he was playing with Subban. I mean, that, that that's not really going to help him. Um, 
like he did his best work when he was a second line defenseman. I mean, and it all goes back to them finding somebody that can play with Subban. And obviously, Severson is wasn't it. I mean, he did great work with Andy Green. I mean, I still think he's a good defenseman for this team. I don't think where the hate's coming from. He had a bad season, okay, but you know how many you know situations he was put in to make you know get his plus minus down and his stats go down. I mean, he's a good defenseman. the devils definitely need to keep him around i mean there's always this talk of he he can get moved but the problem is his you know right now his values at a low point so yeah so i mean if if his value was higher i said yeah all for it but again you're weakening of a you're already weakening uh a position that you need help in and murray yeah he's a he's a good piece to add but they still need help on defense and it's still weak yeah their goaltending is upgraded. That's fine. But their defense is still suspect. All right. So we got about seven minutes left. Is there anything you guys want to quickly add before we kind of wind this thing down? I guess a little more world junior talk. We didn't really get into it. We could just do that quickly, I guess. I, do I mean, a- I was just watching a game. Trevor Zegers knee just went into the boards and it didn't look good, but he's still well, in the good. USA. So. Um, I think Mike wanted to say something. Yeah, I got a, Yeah, I got a quick question for you guys. You know, prospects really aren't my strong points. I know, you know, you guys are a lot more knowledgeable about, you know, that category than I am. So, um, you know, like I read your, I read your article, your, one of your recent articles, Alex, about, you know, that's like summarize all the um, new, new Jersey Devils prospects that are going to be in the tournament this year. Yeah. Out of all those prospects, which one would you, which one would you say is, is expected to have the biggest impact on their team? Probably. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Holtz, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would probably say Holtz. I mean, Sweden is pretty stacked. Like, they're not to the level of Canada stacked, but that's a pretty talented team. And they got Lucas Raymond there. I know they lost some guys because of COVID. They had to leave yeah. and they're not going to be participating in the tournament. Like, William Eklund was, could have been his line there. I think it's uh, better for the Terrence win. So, hey, yeah. Alex, would it be fair to say that Gritchik would probably be the one guy? Or yeah, I was going to say Gritsyuk, uh could have a – I mean, he's been practicing in Russia's top six, uh, you know, in the lead-up to the tournament. And he's uh, he's got, I think, 15 – yeah, 15 points in 14 games between the MHL and the VHL in Russia this year. He's a small winger. He's only about 5'10", 175 pounds, but that's 15 pounds bigger than where he was at the end of last season. So he's put on some weight. Uh, he's a really good playmaker. He's a good skater. Um, I mean, Russia's strength uh, is up front this year. Like, it's not necessarily their defense. So I think you could either argue Gritsyuk is going to have the biggest impact for Russia, or you could even argue Shakir Muhammad-Dulin because That's Russia's defense... right there. That's your boy. Yeah, uh, yeah Russia's defense is, is pretty inexperienced. They only got Jan Kuznetsov, who was a 2020 draft pick, and then there's guys like Daniil Cheka, who's eligible for the 2021 draft. Um, Shakir is going to be playing top pair of minutes for Russia. He's going to be playing on the penalty kill too on the power play. They're going to ask him to do a lot because he's the most experienced guy they have on that roster for their defense. So I think you could probably argue him too that, you know, of the devil's prospects at the tournament this year, you could probably argue Shakir is going to have the biggest impact. And then you could maybe give a Gritsyuk maybe as the second guy. That's Shakir Muka Muka Duka. Yeah, Muhammad Dulin. Yeah. I'm let the experts say it. <laughs> yeah, Joe. Joe's uh, when it comes to what is it, Slo- Slavic uh, pronunciation? Yeah, that's, that's Joe's. Uh, 
Uh, I, I just try to refer to him as Shakir Mookie. Muhammaduline. Yeah. There he is. Yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna call him Mookie. Yeah, yeah, it seems a no, no, nickname no. that's sticking uh, at times. That so. sounds like a baseball player. You don't say that. Yeah, and then I would uh, I wouldn't even like rule out Yarmir Pitlick just to finish it up. Uh, who's playing on the Czech Republic team? They're not particularly great, but he's gonna be playing high up the lineup just because the Czechs are not that you know great. So he'll probably be playing you know, top six role for them, maybe alongside Jan Mishak as uh, his winger. So he should. Uh, he was at the world. He was at the tournament last year. He played in five games for the Czechs, so he's the returnee. I'd expect him to have a pretty good tournament as well. Well, so let's, uh, we'll put let's, this up. Hang on, Joe. So let's um, let's call Mookamadulin just the Mook, the big Mook, the Mook, the big Mook, the big Mook, <laughs> Muhammad. Yeah. All right. So what were you gonna say, Joe? Well, I'm gonna put this out there. So. If there's going to be a wild card team that kind of ruins a bottom feeder team, top team in this world junior, like a Germany, uh, I would have to say the Slovaks kind of steal someone's thunder by just one game. And why do I say that? Well, last year there was a kid from Sherbrook that I had my eyes on who didn't get drafted. And his name was Samuel Clave. And he plays really well like he's on top of his head the whole entire time in the qmjhl and he's he he looks like he's out of place right but he comes out of nowhere he dives he's like a shark coming out of water you go and he has the possibility of stealing some games or at least some some points from these lower mid-tier teams that could jump like a germany or an austria and if relegation mattered this year, which it doesn't because no team's getting relegated, all eight teams are coming back next year in the same two spots. But I could see, like, standings-wise, I could definitely see them, like, you know, position where they are in the groups compared from this year to next year because the groups obviously aren't going to change. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see it. I mean, I think the Czechs could, you know, steal some points from some some people. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's – I mean, the problem is they're in such a tough group with Sweden, yeah. Russia, and the United States. Um, Germany's an interesting team, too, because they got some talent there between Stutzla and uh, Paterka and Lucas Reichel. And they got some 2021 eligibles also, I think. Well, is it so. Reichel not at the tournament? Oh, right. Yeah. Did he uh, get coronavirus? Yeah, he got tested positive. Yeah, he got the Yeah, that's out. right, right. Oof. All right. So, yeah, so we got left. To sum it up, if you're oh. into the World Juniors and you're a Devils fan, you should be probably watching because they're well represented at the tournament. So yeah, yeah. they got six prospects at the tournament. You're gonna want to watch every game, and NHL Network has every game. So just they, do it. Yep, there you go. All right, guys, thanks for coming on and joining us for a Raising Hell in Jersey podcast episode. And Jim, get us some information tomorrow. <laughs> I'll do my best. Try and get two o'clock. Two o'clock. Last word on Hockey Mad Radio. Uh, if you're not in the group, I'll invite you in and check it out. Uh, it'll be up all day, and I'll try to convert it into audio because uh, this is going to be a good one. All right. Sounds all right, good. Right. All right, folks, Merry Christmas to all you guys. Merry yes, Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. You bet.